0: hello hello welcome back to Loki's librarian I am your librarian Katrina if you are new here welcome this is where I am reading through the enormous library of books you don't currently see behind me because I am traveling for my day job but trust me I have an enormous library of books uh, they are usually behind me and I read a book a week and then I give you a quick synopsis and tell you what I think about them so if you like books just aren't sure what to read next hit that subscribe button like and share my videos and let me know what you think in the comments Now the last spooky book for the month of October is this one, The Demonologist, The Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren by Gerald Brittle. And the accompanying cocktail comes from, oh I left it on the counter over there, hold on, comes from this book, Tarot and Tequila by David A. Rossi. Um, And the accompanying cocktail is called the Devil. I figure if we're doing the demonologist, we should do the Devil Cocktail, which is two ounces of jalapeno-infused reposado tequila, a half ounce of mezcal, one half ounce of red pepper water juiced. I'm not sure how I'm going to juice it here. We're going to fake it. And a one ounce of lime juice and a half ounce of agave nectar with crushed pink peppercorns and sea salt for the glass, which I've pre-sea salted and peppercorned my glass already. It's... It already smells like the fires of hell, so let's do this. Um, I don't remember specifically when this book hit my radar. Um, I feel like it probably came about like a, as an Amazon recommendation, probably after I did the um, Amityville one last year, right? I had to make my own Reposado tequila. Reposado just means it's been rusted. Right. Blanco is not aged. Reposada tequila is aged between like four months and a year, usually in oak barrels. And then Añejo is aged older than that. I had to make my own because it, they had, um, ooh, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be, I'm going to have to fake a lot of this. Should have gotten like a three ounce bottle, travel bottle, I'm going to fake a lot of this because this already sounded like a bad idea, like, Like hell was going to be licking at my heels over this one. So I'm going to make this work. We're going to make this work. Corner out on this cow. Half the recipe is what I'm going to do. Perfect. So, anyways. Demons are scary. It's October. It hit my reading list. And so here we go. Ed and Lorraine Warren uh, were pioneering paranormal investigators. Like this wasn't a thing prior to them. Okay. Um... They, they were both born in the 1920s, Ed on September 7th, 1926, Lorraine on January 31st, 1927, and they grew up very near each other, like within three blocks of each other. One ounce of red pepper juiced. Oh, how do you juice a red pepper? Can you juice? Well, I guess you can. It's kind of juicy. I have a feeling this is not going to be the recipe that they wanted me to make. There is no... I think the only way to juice a red pepper... The only way to juice a red pepper is probably if you throw it in a blender and pulp that fucker. I don't have a blender. I'm in a hotel room. Yeah, there's no juice in this bad boy. You know what? I am no longer making the devil as it's here. I am just going to make what I can with it. Because I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I tried to plan ahead. I just didn't plan very well, apparently. That's okay. So they married right out of high school, he went into the U.S. Navy, serving during World War II. When he returned, they launched this very unusual career of paranormal investigators. Uh, Ed was the only civilian who was authorized to perform a Catholic exorcism. I think there were like six people in the United States, Ed was the only civilian. He was the seventh. There were seven people. He was the only one who wasn't a priest. And Lorraine was a natural clairvoyant. They actually got their start though, and this was kind of an unusual way to go about it. this is gonna be such a weird cocktail. It is not as described. That's all I'm gonna say, so I don't know if I can blame them if I don't like it. Okay. They would find houses that were allegedly haunted, and Ed would paint a picture of the house. He he was an artist. He he had been supporting his family post-World War II by just catching these kind of kitschy images of New England. That that's where they grew up as New England. Um, Rhode Island, maybe? It was in the book and I didn't write it down, so I don't, I'm don't. not sure. But anyways, they kind of got their start doing this. And it, it, he, he would draw these kitschy pictures, paint these kitschy pictures of houses and he would sell them. And he was making decent money with it. But they both really liked ghosts because he had had an experience when he was a kid with a ghost. She was a clairvoyant. So they would go around and find these houses that were allegedly haunted. He would paint pictures of them. And then she would go up, knock on the door and say, hey... My husband painted this picture of your house and the ghost inside. We'd love to hear about the ghost. Would, would you like the picture? We'll give you the picture if you'll tell us about the ghost. And so that's, that was their in, and they started learning about ghosts and people's haunting experiences. This is Shaken, so let's shake this up. Okay, and that led them down the path of investigator. Ghosts led to demons, which led to the entire premise of this book, which ultimately is faith. Faith in God practically necessitates faith in demons and vice versa. You can't really believe in one and not believe in the other. This is also supposed to be a rocks glass. I'm in a hotel room. I don't have a rocks glass, so I'm just using their wine glass. Like I said, it's not as advertised because it's supposed to have red pepper juice in here. I don't have red pepper juice. So we're just gonna go with this. Also the proportions are all screwy. Did not plan this one out as well as I thought I had. Hopefully I do better next week. So here's what I learned from this book. First off, evil has to be invited in. Uh, This incidentally, I think is a contributing factor to the belief that vampires can't enter a house unless they're invited. Evil has to be invited in, can't just show up. There's rules, that's one of them. The most common invitation presented was through Ouija boards or automatic writing. Once the door has been opened, demons can enter a house and begin the first phase, which is infestation. Now when infestation occurs, it usually starts small. Uh, Little things you kind of shrug off as nothing. It's just unusual kind of a glitch in the matrix sort of of moment. So the phone might ring like in one long, drawn-out ring instead of the usual bursts. And then when you answer it, you might hear nothing or there might be animal growls. You might hear footsteps at night where none were expected to be or pounding on walls, and that's infestation. All of which makes staying in a hotel or writing this book particularly creepy because, hey, there are always footsteps at night where you're in a hotel not everybody's on a nine to five schedule so what was interesting was was the chapter on infestation the warrens allowed for witchcraft like specifically white witchcraft or wicca as a benign occurrence working with nature to affect positive change but pretty much everything else they said oh this is black witchcraft and you're evil if you do this and why would you invite the devil into your house which i guess is a fair point if you're christian why would you invite the devil into your house it's actually not as bad as i thought it would be the red peppercorns definitely make it interesting. The the jalapeno-infused tequila gives it a kick, but it's not bad. It's got good flavor. All right, I'm a little surprised by that. All right, not bad. While they allowed for white witchcraft, the opening of that door through a Ouija board or Active Conjuring was clearly black witchcraft, which the Warrens believed has been on the rise throughout the 60s and 70s. Coincidentally, or perhaps not, this is the time Aleister Crowley was seeing his resurrection as a cultural icon. Isn't that weird? Now, ultimately, infestation is typically written off as proof that a house is haunted, right? That's what most people assume. They'll hear those, those footsteps where none should be and, you know, keys will move and they'll think, oh, it's just a ghost. Okay. And sometimes that's all it is, seriously, it's just a haunting, in which case infestation is where it stops. You might get these small annoyances, it's, but that's all it is. But if it's not a ghost, if it's something more sinister, infestation quickly yields to oppression. And oppression occurs when the spirits or demons in the house are trying to take over the people in the house. Uh, Oppression's sole goal is to drown the free will of people in the house. And this is done primarily by amping up the hostility. Furniture might be thrown around, physical assaults might occur, horrible smells might permeate a room. These activities occur all hours of the day and night, causing sleep disruption. Mostly at night, because that is when most people sleep. But they can really occur at any time. And if you've ever had three or four days of sleep deprivation, you know just exactly how awful that is. I mean, that's a wretched sensation. And finally, as one's willpower begins to break down, possession might occur. And that's where you'll get the stories like from The Exorcist with bodies levitating, speaking in tongues, nauseous, vomiting noxious vomiting typically the warrens would call in a church to assist with an exorcism during the oppression stage since it's kind of harder to expel a spirit from a body than from a house another book chronicles several of their most well-known cases that they were called in to consult on including annabelle and amityville Uh, annabelle was the possessed doll which i think currently lives in a museum in a glass box marked do not open. Additional details of Annabelle were, I believe, covered in the world of lore monstrous creatures last year, and I, although I don't know if I specifically mentioned it in, in my write-up of that one. But Amityville, of course, captured the world based on the Lutz's telling of what happened to them in the DeFeo house and became a whole series of movies. The Warrens were called into Amityville after the Let's jump ship, and they believe something definitely happened there. But, I mean, like, Lorraine felt the terror throughout that clairvoyant, so she walked in and she felt the terror. But I think that the fury of the spirits had been spent by the time they came in, so they were, they were kind of getting an afterimage, but no real activity while they were there. And nothing has been reported at that house since. So whatever happened seemed to have targeted on the letses and left them alone when they left. And the press who went in with the with the Warrens, though, and this was interesting, they were having problems too, like they were getting like heart palpitations. one guy almost had a heart attack, so I don't know what happened there, but something happened, and okay, the red pepper or the pink peppercorns definitely add something it burns. And of course, the Warren's case files themselves sparked an entire series of movies starting in 2013 with The Conjuring, which starred Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga as Ed and Lorraine Warren were called in to assist the parent family of their haunted house. Now the parent case file was not included in this book, but the Warrens have written their own series of books, or had prior to their individual deaths, Ed in 2006, Lorraine in 2019. They wrote a series of books about their own cases. I think the parent file might be in one of those, but I haven't specifically looked up to see which one. Now, typically, when the Warrens would arrive at a location, Ed would sit down with the family and do an interview with them, and Lorraine would walk the house trying to pick up any hot spots and her clairvoyance was such that Ed would kind of trust her over what people said happened because people have active imaginations maybe nothing's going on maybe there's nothing there right so if Lorraine says hey there's no spirit here okay he's he's gonna trust her on that I mean why, why wouldn't he she's his wife they've been married forever and ever they were they got married at 18 in 644 And they were married until he died in 2006, so that's a good long run. So it's right that he should trust his wife. I mean, hell, while I was reading this book on the topic of imagination, I was in the middle of reading the book and the hotel I'm in had a power outage and I about jumped out of my skin. And then I stopped reading for the night. I watched episodes of Dahmer I had downloaded to my phone because Dahmer is less scary than demons. The story kind of runs through several territories. It covers hauntings, demons, witchcraft, sorcery, and faith. And the only way to counteract darkness is faith in the light. And that's the advice they give on inoculating yourself against possible evil spirits. Like keep up a positive attitude, faith in God. Um, not to say challenge them. If you suspect you're, you're being under attack, don't challenge the demons, that's for sure, because that can be really dangerous, but rather prevent them from even entering the house. Right? That's, that's the way to defend yourself. It was interesting that those who experienced these phenomenon were at least nominally Christian. I mean, they may not be the best of Christians, they may not have been active churchgoers, but most of them were to some degree of that faith, which makes sense. Um, if demons are not a part of your mythology, it's not likely to impact you. Not to say it can't, but my protections would be way different from, are not going to be the same, basically, as those recommended by Ed and Lorraine. Overall, th- this was a decent book, but it made me uneasy. Because even though I'm not Christian, I do believe in the things that come up in the night. And even being not Christian, I found that I did not want the book in the room with me when I was sleeping at night. It just made me that uneasy so I mean thanks to my day job for springing for a two-room suite I was able to put it in a different room instead of running the book out to my car every night (laughs) Although yesterday when I was getting ready to go out and do touristy Minnesota things I noticed that the car park next to me had a rosary hanging in the rearview mirror and I almost almost checked the doors to see if I could leave it on the passenger seat and then I thought that's not nice, Loki. It's it's funny, but it's not nice. So we're not going to do that. Besides, I wasn't done reading the book. And clearly I didn't do it because it's still right here. And no, it didn't appear here because I, you know, something put it here. I brought it into my hotel room and it's probably going to go live in my suitcase the rest of the time I'm here. But it was an interesting book, you know, and, and I don't know whether you believe in... Whether you believe in the supernatural or not, I, I think that, I feel like there's a scientific explanation for these things. Um, my my own personal theory about ghosties, ghoulies, and long-legged beasties is that it, it, when they're seen in our world, it's where we're kissing up against the multiverse. I think that, that we've hit against the multiverse, and what you're seeing is a reflection of a different timeline where things panned out differently. I don't know. I'm sure there's a scientist out there somewhere going, that's not how any of this works, but that's just my opinion. I'm not saying it's an educated or informed one. That's just what I think. That's it for this week. Thank you guys for watching. I will see you guys later. Bye.